It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here. We're going to talk to Sean Williams, talk a little bit of uh, Missouri football recruiting, maybe a little NBA draft. Who knows? We'll ramble on about some other things. Um, but first of all, want to make sure that you know that we're trying to save you money here on the podcast uh, and get you fed at the same time. Shakespeare's Pizza, Shakespeare's Events and Catering sponsored this podcast. And I know this works because I know somebody that did it, did it last week. If you call and get eight or more pizzas, you have to pay with one card. But if you do that, you're going to get a Power Mizzou discount. If you mention the podcast, you get 5% above and beyond the discount they already give you for ordering eight pizzas. So, I don't know, order eight pizzas and you're fed for the week. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you don't have a big group coming, you can just eat Shakespeare's for like the next eight days. Eight days, right. We did that at my house, actually. We had a uh, ha- had a large pizza around. It lasted us like three days, which maybe says we should eat more pizza. But Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, you, you can never get tired of Shakespeare's. So. so, yeah, call Shakespeare's, go into Shakespeare's, go on their website, whatever you do. Uh, Again, mention the podcast, and they're going to hook you up with a discount above and beyond what they give the normal unwashed masses who do not listen to this podcast. All right, it is an all uh, Power Mizzou, um, I can't say employee, yeah, uh, contractor podcast. It's <laughs> illegal. Yeah, That's illegal. Uh, <laughs> Sean Williams on the phone with us. He obviously does uh, the vast majority of our football recruiting stuff, and. Uh, so, Sean, I guess Missouri's just going to fill the whole class in June, and you're going to take the last six months of the year off. Sounds like a great plan, as long as I'm still getting paid and <laughs> yeah. I'm not an employee. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 see how that goes. Uh, I hope I hope it works out for you. Um, but seriously, like this is a new thing. June used to be the slowest month. You've covered recruiting for a while. It used to be probably the slowest month of the year, and all of a sudden now, I think Missouri has six commits, and and guys all over the country are committing. Yeah, yeah, it's just the way it is now with the uh, the new recruiting rules and uh, taking official visits. You know, you start taking those in the spring and you know early signing periods in December. So um, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, you know everybody else is just trying to get all those guys that want to want to commit early and are planning to enroll early and at least sign in December. They were trying to get those guys in the summer and uh, get those guys wrapped up. So yeah, it's been a it's been a busy month for Missouri so far. So it's been good. Sean, before we kind of get into the you know the nitty gritty of of the actual prospects that that have committed and Missouri's targeting and whatnot, we, we had an interesting conversation with with Barry Odom over lunch on Wednesday, uh, where he was kind of talking about you know the challenges of of kind of the new early signing period and, and how much you know the calendar moves up and it's more difficult to uh, to kind of create relationships with kids. You know, I know it's it's not it's only been a couple of years now, but but what are kind of as you you covered you know football recruiting at a few different schools? Do you, have you got a sense for for what kind of you know are the the difficulties of trying to to you know get a bunch of guys committed by by midsummer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's just competition, really. I mean, because you're you know a lot of those guys they want to commit during the summer. You talk to a lot of those kids, you know, uh, I'd say half of them you talk to, or maybe more. They you know they they would like to be committed before their senior season starts and just like to have it over with not have to worry about it, just focus on their senior season and be a high school kid, you know. So, but it's just mainly competition with, uh, it's mainly competition with uh, other teams, you know, just trying to get those guys in for the summer. So everything's really accelerated. 
just in terms of trying to build a relationship and uh, trying to get in as early as you can on those guys, uh, you know, whether that's the previous year during the fall or, you know, especially, you know, during spring when you're live evaluation period, you're out, you know, you see a guy you like and, you know, he might have, you know, 10 other offers and a lot of teams are on him. So you have to kind of accelerate your relationship process with that kid. So it does, it is a little bit difficult. And especially, you know, like you mentioned in the, in the head coach's case, you know, cause usually, you know, they're not the ones out on the road recruiting the assistants are. So it's a little bit harder for them to kind of play catch up in the relationship process with those kids. Sean, you talk to these kids far more, thank God, than Mitch or I do. Um, <laughs> my thought about this is, and I mentioned this the other day to Odom, like I, I think we're going to get in a situation with this where all these kids are trying to to visit and commit before their senior season start and all that, like you talked about. These are 17-year-old kids that just finished their junior year in high school. I think what's going to happen now is we're going to get to November and coaches are going to start getting fired or – you know, these top-tier programs are going to start missing out on kids like the Ohio States, the Oklahomas, and all that. And so now they're suddenly going to come back and look at all these kids that are committed to maybe, you know, lower-profile schools and start coming in on these kids in November. These kids are going to have other options. I think we're going to see more decommitments than we've ever seen because of this early signing period. You you agree, or you think that's a little bit paranoid? No, I don't think it's paranoid because, I mean uh... – you know, like you mentioned, I you know I cover Missouri. I've seen it before with Vanderbilt kids, uh, especially you know Vanderbilt. It seems like every year uh, they'll get somebody committed uh, during the summer, or at least the last two seasons, and then you know there in November, uh, you know, uh, power, you know, bigger Power Five schools miss out on some kids, and then they start you know going down the list, and they they've targeted a couple of Vanderbilt kids the last two years. So yeah, it's. You know, I, I can see the situation where you kind of uh, – what you kind of described, you know, I, those situations are going to happen, you know, because uh, that's just kind of how it is, you know, uh, especially with uh, upper-tier Power 5 schools. You know, they're going to miss out on some guys, so what are they going to do? They're going to, you know, check who – you know, for example, uh, you know, Alabama – not say Alabama, but they'll check and see who Missouri's got committed, uh, you know, and say, oh, okay, well, we'll check this guy out. We like his film. We, we've recruited him a little bit. Let's – go out and offer and see if we can get him a flip, you know, that's just kind of, that's the name of the game. I don't, I don't know if you'll see a lot of, a lot of decommitments, but you'll see scenarios where you'll see a lot of bigger power five schools come in and try to get guys that are committed to Missouri and Vanderbilt and, and those type of schools. So, so Sean, you know, kind of the, the story of the 2020 class for Missouri so far has been, you know, the in-state victories and specifically the the St. Louis area commitments. I think six of their ten commitments so far from the uh, the St. Louis area. A few more targets they're looking at there. You know, you you've as you've kind of talked to to you know in-state prospects and specifically St. Louis prospects over the last three or four years. Has, you know, anything changed or is it just a case of, you know, once a couple kids start going there, it becomes cool to uh, to the rest of them? Yeah, I think it's I think it's like a domino effect, like you mentioned there at the last. But you know, you talk to all these kids, and it, even the ones they didn't get, you know, the coaches have really good relationships with those guys. So I think it just takes a couple to kind of jump in the boat and uh, you know, kind of have the other kids in the St. Louis area, for example, or in state, just say, hey, you know, the, these guys are committing to Missouri. Let's let me give them a closer look, and you know, go visit, you know, go visit more, and you know, kind of really get a feel for 
you know, what it's like. You know, I, it's kind of a process of, like, uh, you know, seeing guys like, you know, Antonio Doyle, for example. I know he was kind of a later commitment, but, you know, see guys like that that are higher-profile guys, you know, commit to Missouri, and, and uh, you know, it kind of shows – that, uh, you know, other St. Louis process, like, hey, you know, he's going there. That's kind of cool. You see all these other St. Louis kids going there. So, you know, they would definitely want to – that kind of piques their interest to check out Missouri more and kind of learn more about the program for sure. All right, let's 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 just kind of run through these kids they've gotten in, in June and, and kind of what you've thought and, and talking to them or looking at them will go in, in reverse order. The most recent guy, Maurice Wren, two years ago, signs out of high school with Louisiana Tech after being committed for a while to Arkansas. Uh, he's now a junior college kid in Tyler, Texas. We've got him listed as a wide receiver, which is not what we understand he's going to be at Missouri. Yeah, uh, well, a lot of speculation around him just because he didn't talk a lot. He finally got back to us after he committed, but we tried to reach out to him before whenever he got the offer, and he, he never really responded to us. So a lot of mystery surrounding him, and you look at his highlights, he's he's lining up a wide receiver, but he's just trucking people. You know, He's just you know blocking, and he's doing some special team stuff. I think he's going to play linebacker for his team this year, too. So he worked out at linebacker and camped at linebacker at Alabama recently, but they didn't offer. So, you know, obviously when he committed, everybody's like, well, I think he's going to be a linebacker and, and all that. But we finally got clarification. Uh, they do like him on the offensive side of the ball. He said he's going to be more of a uh, – he said wide receiver tight, slash tight end, but we've we've been told he's going to be more of a tight end than a wide receiver. So, obviously they saw a lot of athleticism in him whenever they uh, – Whenever they uh, stopped by and watched him during the spring, and obviously liked his frame, maybe six four. Uh, I think he's like two thirty five, two forty right now. I heard he runs a pretty good forty time in the four or five range. So that's kind of what he brings to the table. And then the other uh, kid who committed after coming on an official visit this past weekend was running back Elijah Young from Tennessee. That's the second running back in this class for for Mizzou. You know, how do they kind of uh, you know how are they different? How how might they complement one another? Yeah, uh, Young's kind of more your uh, kind of your slash guy. You know, he's going to be. You know, he'll get in the backfield. He'll take some carries. He's kind of more your outside running threat. He'll, you know, uh, with his speed and everything. He's also pretty physical, but he'll line up in the slot too. I mean, he's quick. He's shifty. So he's going to be more of a speed uh, outside runner. You know, home run hitter type of guy. Whereas you got uh, Dominic Johnson that committed earlier this earlier this month. He was the first commitment this month. He's uh the running back out of Crowley, he's got he's a more of a big framed running back, and he's going to be kind of more your physical hard hitter between the tackles kind of runner. So they kind of complement each other well. Uh, you know, going back in the spring, you know, Missouri was targeting a lot of running backs that were um, kind of Elijah Young this level. You know, just in terms of versatile, athletic. You know, can line up as slot receivers. So I know that's a that's an element of the running backs that they definitely wanted. And obviously they've got him, and now they've got uh, Dominic Johnson, who they like is a more physical guy too. So kind of a nice combination, uh, nice tag team element there. All right, next on the list, a guy who at one time was an in-state guy, now he's not, uh, Kevon Billingsley <laughs> over at East St. Louis in Illinois. Um, you know, a, a, definitely a, a pretty high-profile kid, uh, that, that we always thought Missouri was in pretty decent shape with, but that's the kind of kid they haven't always gotten in June. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, but he he's established a great relationship with uh, with the staff. I mean, I know, you know, he visited a couple times last year. You know, got his offer last spring. I think the thing that really that really kind of turned the corner with Billingsley was his uh, was his visit earlier in the spring. I know he uh, had a good sit down with Brick Haley 
when they originally when Missouri originally offered Billingsley, they kind of liked him as kind of an offensive lineman, defensive line. So they were kind of recruiting him for both sides of the ball. He prefers to play defensive lineman or defensive end. So he had a nice sit down with Bridge Haley earlier this spring when he visited. And, uh, you know, Brick's like, hey, you know, we like it defensive end. He really liked that. And they've, they've built a really good relationship. And that kind of turned the corner uh, from Missouri there. So, you know, he had a top six. He had a bunch of other schools on his list. But, uh, you know, he ended up just going ahead and committing to Missouri. So that was, a, that was a good get for them. And then before him was kind of the uh, the crown jewel, so to speak, of the class so far. We met, You mentioned him already, Antonio Doyle, linebacker out of Lutheran North in St. Louis, who you know had, had very legitimate offers from a lot of Power 5, big high major schools, including Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Uh, you know, it's always a little bit difficult to uh, to project before a kid's played his first snap of college football, but, uh, you know, just how, how good do you think this kid could be? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of one of those kids. He doesn't have a lot of film just last year because he transferred schools. He was at Hazelwood West, and then he transferred to Luther North, couldn't play the rest of the season. I think he transferred around late September, October, somewhere in there. So, But the film he does have, I mean, I mean, he's <laughs> he moves really well for a, running, or for a linebacker his size. I mean, uh, just to be as explosive – as he is, and, and uh, you know, he runs down. I know in one of his highlights he runs down. Uh, it was either a running back or a wide receiver, but, I mean, he runs him down from 70 yards behind. He's just full sprinting. So, I mean, the the dude's pretty uh, explosive, and he's a pretty violent tackler too. I mean, and just his ability to go from sideline to sideline is pretty impressive. So, when he released his highlight videos last year, that's when he, you know, late last year, it's when he started blowing up, getting a lot more offers. And, uh, you know, like you said, it was really down to, to uh, Oklahoma and Texas A&M. I know he had a official visit to A&M scheduled for later this month before he went in that Missouri visit. You know, in Missouri, he was just kind of given, you know, he'd been in contact with him, obviously, and, and had a good relationship with him. But he was more going into that official visit, just kind of showing the hometown school some love. And, and he got on campus and um, loved Coach Odom's message and the whole coaching staff and said, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home. So that was a huge that's a huge gift for Missouri just to get him on campus, get him committed, you know, kind of unexpectedly, I guess. And then, I mean, he's completely shutting down his recruiting process. And, you know, he told us, I mean, me, you, uh, me and Mitchell were uh, on campus this weekend and he told us he's, he's out recruiting Antonio Johnson and uh, Dante Manning, which are two other, you know, uh, in-state area type of, uh, type of high profile guys that uh he's still uh he's still recruiting he's not giving up on those guys he's wanting them to jump in the boat and have a really good defense in Missouri so always good to hear from a high profile uh commitment like that all right last individual kid and then we'll we'll finish up we'll we'll try to come up with one more really good question each for you but uh last individual kid is Ray Curry 65300 from Memphis, Tennessee uh big enough to play now I don't know if he's good enough to play now but big enough to play day one yeah, definitely. Uh, he's one of those that was kind of a mystery because, uh, you know, he didn't do a lot of interviews, you know, so uh, uh, we didn't know a lot about him. Obviously, uh, we knew he had an offer, didn't know how serious the interest was. And then, you know, we found out he was coming on an official visit. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, he's a, he's another one that, uh, you know, he really just kind of had a great relationship with uh, Brad Davis and, uh, you know, uh, he really liked that uh, Coach Odom had some ties to Memphis, the Memphis area, uh, you know, just from his coaching background and, and everything. So, uh, and obviously there's, you know, Memphis players on uh, Missouri's roster right now. So, I mean, that really kind of appealed to him too. 
And, uh, yeah, whenever he visited, he just kind of fell in love with it and, uh, you know, decided to commit. So uh, that's a pretty big get. I mean, he had some pretty legit offers, too. I don't know, you know, how many of those were committable. But still, I mean, uh, to be 6'5", 300 pounds, have the ability he does, it's, it's a pretty big get. You know, and obviously, you know, Missouri kind of going into this weekend, I mean, they've um, they've almost got the offensive line class pretty much wrapped up. I mean, they've got like one more spot left. So they've done a really good job recruiting the offensive line so far this year. So, Sean, we've still got, you know, probably about half this class, maybe a little bit more to fill out, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Still some some pieces to be brought in. Um, one, one question, you know, I've seen a few times and, and I don't truly know the answer to is, you know, they've there's quite a few, it seems, defensive ends on, on the team's board right now between Johnny Wilson from the Kansas City area who says he's going to make a decision soon, Jalen Logan Redding here in, at Rockbridge, um, Braden Swinson who came in for a visit, Cooper Davis who came in for a visit, the TCU uh, commit who came in for a visit, and uh, Joe Moore's son. How, how does all those guys, do you get a sense of how all those guys stack up in terms of priority or is it just going to kind of be first come first service <laughs> in terms of commitment? I think it's going to be more first come first serve. Honestly, uh, I know you know you kind of mentioned Joe Moore. I know we just I just kind of read an update on him on uh, our network today, and he took an official to Minnesota. He doesn't have Missouri in his top five. He he announced a top five that doesn't have Missouri in it. So I don't know if uh, where the uh, interest level lies with Missouri and him now. But uh, but yeah, I mean you look at all those guys, uh, all those guys you mentioned. They've pretty much been on official visits except for Renz and. Uh, Logan Redding hasn't been on an official, but I mean, obviously he's a local kid. He's been to Missouri a bunch of times. So yeah, I mean, there's legit interest in all those guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of people on our board, they always ask, well, see a lot of DNs. I mean, they're all pretty much listed as DNs, but I always kind of look at the weight too uh, of each kid, you know, guys that are in the 220 range. I mean, you, you kind of know they're going to be DNs in the, in the, in the defense, but you know, you look at those kids like Cooper Davis, Swenson, Sylvester, those guys, those guys are having around 240, 250. So those guys could, you know, if they commit, they could come in, add weight, and play on the inside too. So, I mean, they could be like more versatile uh, defensive linemen. But, yeah, it's that's the big uh, defensive line for – that's going to be the big uh, emphasis for Missouri just kind of moving forward in the recruiting class because obviously they're going to need – they've got obviously Billingsley in right now, but they're still going to need four or five more guys. So, But they've got – They've got they've had some guys on campus obviously for official visits and they've got they've got some guys that are in really good on it's been in for unofficials as well so they've got they've got a nice uh, nice group they're going after. All right, Sean, we're going to finish up with this. Missouri is ranked 32nd in the country right now in team rankings. That's that's really about the sweet spot. I've always said Missouri between 20 and 35 is is a good year for them, but. Um, why don't you rank Missouri's recruits higher? That's really what everybody wants to know. <laughs> Why don't I rank them? <laughs> Why don't you give Missouri's players more stars? This is your fault, correct? <laughs> yeah, well, considering I don't rank them, yeah, it's totally my fault, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so so people can contact you when they want to know why this kid's not a four star, this kid's not a six star. Yeah, just tolerate me on Twitter at Gabe DeArmond. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, yeah, just DM me all your complaints and everything yeah. like that, all right? Well done. That. I'm probably going to edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Have a good one, man. See you, Sean. All right, man. All right, Sean Williams, he does our recruiting stuff. And, and again, seriously, like, thank God he takes yeah. it all off our plate. That's uh, It is a covering recruiting. It's gotten worse, but it is – it's an all the time, just like 
never really relax and call 40 kids to get one to answer. Yeah, no, you. I mean, you were joking about him taking the second half of the month off, but really then he's going right ahead into the 2021 class. He's yeah. already started to, you know, he he was on at Missouri's campus this past weekend. We were covering some stuff together, and I mean, he knows the stuff. He he uh, he already knew a lot of the names in the in that 2021 class, and and uh, yeah, he does a he does a good job, uh, you know, just getting he, getting a hold of the kids. So the, we the dirty it. secret here is how often Sean will text us something about a kid, and Mitch and I will both go, "Who's that?" You yeah, know? so we go Google the. Kid kid just like you do but or we'll see a kid who gets like tweets something about mizzou and we'd be like should we care about this kid is right he, is he on yeah. the radar is that a kid they're actually recruiting uh you know so uh yeah i appreciate sean taking the time and and for those of you that subscribe like a lot of that is stuff you know but for people that don't follow this every day that's kind of why we do the podcast to give you guys a little bit more of a a broad picture and hopefully get you to sign up. But there you go. You can get all that information and the rest of it. Missouri's going to, I mean, uh, they've all indicated they're not done for the month of June. We expect some more things to happen here in the coming weeks. So keep an eye on that. I want to remind you real quick before we get to the second half of the podcast again, uh, Shakespeare's events and catering, call them, uh, go in, Google them, uh, send them a letter. Whatever you want to do, uh, eight pizzas or more, they're going to give you a 5% discount over the regular group rate. If you mention the podcast, uh, say I heard this Sean Williams guy on there, he should probably be running the whole site because he seems to know a lot more than the other two guys. Can I get cheap pizza? And they'll say yes. And again, I know it works because somebody I know did it last weekend. Uh, All right, so let's move on real quick. A couple other things. I mean, fresh in everybody's mind, NBA draft happens last night. Jonte Porter's name not called, I would say, mild surprise, not a shock. To me, this is about two things. Number one, clearly now he should have gone pro last year. Mm -hmm. But this, to me, is far more about the second ACL injury than the one that happened last October. Yeah, absolutely. I mean— yeah, one one ACL tear happens. Uh, you know, we you've seen plenty plenty of guys come back for it. Obviously, you know, hindsight, it's easy to say now he, he should have gone. Uh, I'm I'm sure the injury obviously is by far the biggest factor. I think also though, I mean, when it you know, given that he he fell all the way out of the draft this year, I think it's very fair to wonder maybe if some of the the talk about him being a first round pick last year maybe doesn't come true because if teams were you know, fully, totally in love with his game. He probably, you know, a team still takes a risk on him because if, as we've seen more and more in the NBA, you can kind of quote unquote redshirt a kid, uh, give him, give him a year off. So, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, feel bad for for Jonte, just given that he he definitely would have been drafted a year ago, and uh, and obviously he's uh, he's still got you know a good good ways of of rehab to go, but uh, you know we've seen undrafted free agents workout in the past uh i'm sure he'll he'll get on on board with the team here in the next day or so and i would imagine like yeah he'll sign somewhere and he's gonna have to work his way up maybe through the g league and sign one of those two-way deals or something like that and the bad part for him is he can't play there this summer you know so it's it's gonna be a little tougher for him so maybe it's possible that an nba team says why are we going to sign you now? We can wait a year. That's and true. You yeah, and no. see if you're dedicated to actually getting back in shape. Right. And that is that is that is the tough part about his situation is, you know, just like even, you know, players who who sign to a contract usually aren't in them very long. A lot of right. times those those kind of fizzle out. So for him who's not even going to play a game for a year, you know, it, it's kind of hard to probably convince a team to dedicate the resources to to helping him get back healthy when he's, you know, a year away from playing in the G League. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that that pans out. Uh, obviously, you know, feel bad for the kid. 
Yeah, and and I don't want to belabor this too much, but like everything I've seen this morning, the discussion point is now the whole Porter era and experiment. And I, I think you'll agree with me on this. Like, look, nobody is saying it's a bad thing that they came to Missouri. It's good. It helped the program. But as far as an on, it really from any standpoint, had you gone back to March of 2017 when Michael committed, if you had said, what's about as poorly as this can go for everybody involved, that's what happened. Like, yeah. I, I mean, from a basketball standpoint, they got one year out of the entire family. They got a big attendance bump. The 2017-18 team was better, but like, as far as tangible long-term effects, there really aren't any. Yeah, honestly, I think if you had asked that that question when the when Michael committed, I don't think anyone could have envisioned this scenario. Honestly, oh no, like trust me, been. because a lot of people did. <laughs> Missouri fans love to say how badly it's going to go, but in this case, they were right. Yeah, no, I mean, and and, and it's not an indictment on the kids. Or no, the it's. Fans. I mean, of course not. You know, you, you can't obviously plan for for injuries like this. Uh, the 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 tough thing, and you know, you mentioned obviously the 2017-2018 team. It you know it got a bump. It probably got a piece or two. It wouldn't have got if the Porters weren't here. But also, you know, that kind of uh, caused you know console led console Martin as he probably should have to to kind of go all in on that season rather than start to build a roster for the future. And we kind of saw the effects of that this past season. So uh, I I definitely think you know if he obviously if he would have known. You know the injuries would have happened, which you know no coach can predict. He probably would have opted to just go ahead and start uh, start setting his roster up, start building it as he kind of had to do. You know a year or two later than he would have. And I think the shame of it is is now that that last name is going to become one of the most polarizing things for Missouri fans for years. Like there's nobody that's in the middle on it. It's yeah. either you can't say anything bad about them and they did this university a favor, or oh my god, this was a disaster and it's so great to be done with all of like. It's okay to be in the middle. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, that's not on the internet. It's we can not, just go but ahead, in yeah, real life. I mean, that's just for every single sports discussion yeah, there ever. is. Yeah. Um, so the other things we kind of wanted to touch on, we met with Barry Odom and Jim Stark this week, both kind of just a, hey, you're going to give us the opportunity to talk with them. Cool. We'll do it. I, Nothing really jumped out to me. No, nothing uh, too much. You know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Odom kind of opened up a little bit about just kind of the, the challenges of the the new recruiting calendar. And, and you know, I mean, kind of talked a little bit about uh, what he feels like his staff has done well in, in meeting those challenges. Obviously, you know, already have 10 commits. Uh, it was interesting, you know, just kind of to hear from someone who's involved with it that, that you know, it's not perfect and it needs some yeah. changes. And, you know, kind of hear some of his predictions. He, he was you know, kind of on board with, like you said, that, you know, there's probably going to be more decommits now. And, you know, the, uh, the, um, you know, he said it's possible that, you know, maybe a high school or senior or two could, could go ahead and skip that their senior season. I've got a hard time seeing that, but you know, it would have to be a really, really highly rated kid. I think, um, one interesting thing, you know, also he said it was, uh, you know, he, he pointed out there's so many more with the transfer academic epidemic. There's so many more kids in the transfer portal than there are, are spots. Yeah. Like even if a and kid, even if kids too. transferred out of Missouri right now, a couple more kids did Missouri couldn't replace them. They cannot bring any more kids in. And that's right. the case with a lot of these schools. And I don't think kids are going to understand that until we have a few years of, of this where, you know, a few people can't find a home. And the problem it creates is some of these kids say, I'm not necessarily leaving, but I want to check. Yeah. That's like telling your girlfriend, like, I just want to date other people and make sure I like you the most. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
if that girl has any pride at all, she's going to go, cool, you can't come back <laughs> yeah. ever. Right. Yeah. You know, so you're not coming back. Um, the, the only kind of newsy stuff with Sturk, I thought, was he did basically confirm Missouri's expecting its NCAA hearing in July. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is the decision. There's mm-hmm. no more. That's it. It's hearing announcement and we're done with it they can't appeal whatever decision is made mm-hmm. again they're gonna know one way or the other yeah so the the hope is that's uh before the start of the football season not as barry adam said yeah. the day before the right. start of the football season uh he's got team even a breakfast little bit on the, saturday and uh, yeah yeah um yeah jim stark he he, he kind of ran through that he he we talked a bit about booze uh talked about alcohol they're they're still Working on, uh, you know, kind of finalizing the logistics in order pr- to present but a proposal to the chancellor, but it's going to happen. The apparent I, one thing I thought was interesting, he said, MUPD is is very in favor of selling alcohol in the games. Yeah, yeah people people thought I was making that up when I tweeted it, <laughs> and I said, no, like they have studies that says this helps. So. You know, like, and then, of course, people said, well, they just want to give more MIPs out. Like, I don't think the cops are walking through the stands busting kids drinking at the games. Yeah. There will actually be fewer MIPs because there will be fewer 19-year-olds in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I would think. I just, I also would have to imagine that the police officer's agenda is not hand out MIPs today. You wouldn't think so, but who knows? Um, So, all right, we finish up always with our least favorite part of the podcast, which is where we take a category suggestion and uh, we just name as many as we can. Before we get to the actual category suggestion, because this one's going to take about 12 seconds, uh, one person suggested that we name as many teams as we can that made the final 16 of the Women's World Cup. I can say that was the first I knew that they were down to 16. I'm going to assume the United States made it. Yep, that's that's the only one I can definitively say as well. Yeah, I'm going to assume Thailand did not. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> so I, that's the only score I think I've really seen from the tournament. Yes. So that covers it. We know yeah. the U.S. is in it. Um, I bet you Brazil's in there. There are 15 <laughs> other teams in it. We don't know who they are, yeah. nor really, honestly, do we care. So the real uh, the real category this week was number one NBA draft picks uh, overall with the, with the uh, draft being last night. I feel like I know more of these than you do because I'm older, so I'm going to let you start. Okay, well, can I? Start with Zion because, yes. yep, there yes. we go. That's very topical. Last night, Zion Williamson. Yeah, uh, LeBron James, number one pick. Yep, I'm, I'm starting by going in order, but this will quickly start jumping around. But uh, last season we had DeAndre Ayton. So okay, DeAndre see, this will work well because you might know the more recent ones, and I was thinking I haven't paid attention to the NBA in years. Like, yeah. I can't name the recent guys, but I can go back. I know Greg Oden was the number yep, one pick. Yep, that's a good one. Yep, I I'm, I still know. I think I'm still going chronologically with Markel Fultz, which – Oh my uh, hasn't Lord. worked out super good so far. <laughs> that's cra- was was uh was Ben Simmons the number one pick? I, yes, that's he was. Not, okay, yes, okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, I'm pretty certain at least. Ben I'm Simmons going to stick with pick. LSU guys. Shaquille O'Neal was the number one overall pick. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Now, now I have to jump back a little bit. Uh, I know. Speaking of the bust with Markel Fultz, Anthony Bennett was a number one oh. overall pick. That's an infamous bust. I, I did see a tweet last night that said. Uh, by walking up the stairs on draft night, uh, Zion Williamson has achieved more in the NBA than Anthony Bennett did. So, Anthony yeah. Bennett walked up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Did he fall? I, I, I think I don't think so. I don't remember it falling. I, the, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, now I'm I'm going even further back. Uh, Akeem Olajuwon, yep, number one yep. overall pick. Um. Okay. Let's think. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis mm-hmm. was the number one pick. Uh. Yeah. Bill Walton. 
I yep. believe, was the number one overall I actually, pick. You could be making that up. I, I have no clue. I could be, but I think I'm right. I think so, too. Um, let's see. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving okay. was the number one yeah. pick. Kyrie, uh, way, way back, Lou Alcindor had, to, if there was an NBA draft, he was the number one pick. Yeah, that might be what they call before the, uh, before the, the common, common draft, draft era. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I'm pretty positive. John I John Wall. John Wall was the number one John pick. John Wall. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have another one. I, I'm pretty sure I, I could be going with the number two pick here, but I think the year Michael Jordan went number three, I think Sam Bowie was number one. Okay. Yeah. To maybe. I mean, it's possible. I, I, he could have <laughs> been number two. I know Sam Bowie was one of the two players right. picked before yeah. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Tim Duncan. He was the number one pick. That's pretty good. I feel like we're doing really we well. We are. I'm actually impressed uh, with, with us. Was I, This is now a guess. I feel like Danny Manning might have been the number one pick in 89, yeah, but I don't know. I have no clue on like that Like Danny Manning and Christian Leitner were guys that I felt like probably were, but I don't know. Yeah. No, I have no idea on that. Um, hmm, Do you know in 1970 or – in the 1979 draft, if Magic or Bird went number one, I would guess Magic, I would but guess I don't know. Magic, but yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, I'm sure I could think of I a think couple more, but I, I feel good enough about how well we've done so far that we can go ahead and uh, go ahead and call it. Yeah, for two guys that don't follow the NBA, that was solid. Yeah, that um, was pretty good. So there you go. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else. Do you? No, no. We're uh, yeah, hoping for some some more quiet time before we get to football season. Yeah, we're done. Uh, media day in three and a half weeks. Uh, call Shakespeare's this weekend. Get eight pizzas. Save money. Uh, that's all we got. Talk to you next week.